Hello and welcome to Girls Gone Canon Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 218, Aria 11 in A Storm of Swords. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Aliana. And are you ready for, I mean, not much. It's a very short episode. I mean, a lot happens, but still. Very short chapter. Yeah. Last time we were here, we kind of talked about how this will probably be a brief episode. It will be short. It might be our shortest episode yet, but we will, we'll see. We'll see. It's yet to happen. For you know? Aswaf, yeah. Yeah. The, the ink isn't dry yet, so we'll see what <sighs> happens here tonight. A little housekeeping before we jump on in. For our patrons in the Stranger Tier and Above over at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, you get bonus episodes every month in that tier, the $5 and above tier. This month, we actually last month just finished up The Hunger Games, the first novel. We will move on to Catching Fire later this year, but we are taking a quick break from our episodes on The Hunger Games to jump back to a place. I'm excited. We haven't come here yet to a free city, a free city. We have only, what, two free cities left, and this is one of them. Yeah, we really do. I mean, they're both big ones, right? They are both very prominent within the main storyline right now. And this one is, of course, I mean, we're following Arya. This spring break over it's to Bravos. Time. Yeah, I mean, you can probably guess when Volantis could come out. I guess when? I actually don't know. I actually have multiple. Okay, guesses. maybe not timeline, but POV wise, POV wise, POV wise, you I might be able to guess. Know. There's a couple POVs that we could talk about Volantis during, and you're gonna have to wait till them whenever they happen. But today, finally, we're announcing we're covering Bravos. We're covering Quentin Bra- as the oh, next POV. Fuck. All over again. He's still alive. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so we're back at our journey. That's exciting. I kind of miss the free cities. We haven't done one of them in a while. Yeah. I don't know what your favorite is. I loved, um, I think Tyrosh was probably one of my favorites. It's a Mia Dario. That, that was a favorite. That one was good. I think for me, I don't know. Which one was my favorite? I actually think... I don't know if it was my favorite, but I thought the Lorath one was interesting just because mm-hmm. it's such a mysterious place and we don't actually have very much information on it. So I actually remember mm-hmm. doing Lorath quite well. I don't know why. I think a Norvos would be my next pick for like the Ooh, weird off yeah, of yeah. the trail one. Yeah, I like Norvos too, but I like Lorath a lot. We actually found, I think, some fun stuff while we researched that. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. It's fun to dissect them. So excited to go there. All right. Discord brunch. Last month's was, of course, a blast, a Galentine's blast. But this month, in March 2024, for the historians, is going to be March 24th, Whoa. a Sunday, 2 to 4 ET. We're going to hang out, play games, giveaways, get to know yous, whatever, who knows. Uh, we're just going to have a blast. It's going to be fun. We're going to vibe. And if you're a Discord patron, a patron in the Thunder Tier and above, you got access to come on in Discord. Uh, it's pretty much lifetime access, let's be fucking real. You come, your family, come in. Uh, we we want to hang, so yeah. come hang, come chat. There's lots of good chat these days, lots of good music chat, lots of good mm. movie chats. I actually think we have a very refined Discord group, in my opinion. Yeah. Don't prove me wrong, everyone. Oh my gosh. Yeah, come join the Discord. You can see, I don't know, you can see about a lot of people's different, there's varied Crusader Kings accounts nowadays, several different playthroughs <laughs> going on, not just Chloe's. Chloe does share about her Sims playthrough, I share about my Desperate Housewives watch through, 
So there's a lot going on. Guillotine, electric chair for Tom Scavo. <laughs> electric chair Yo, for Tom. Have you ever seen a post pinned more quickly in the Discord than that one, by the way? I don't know. Me and Maddie were in the background just cheering finally. I'm like, finally, some of my tweets will make sense to Eliana. I'm only on season like two. I'm like, electric chair for Tom. So. Electric chair. Electric chair. Desperate House Rises. We gotta make a channel for that. We gotta. <laughs> so. Here's a quick little behind the scenes. Every now and then we share things that go on in the in the back workings of Girls Gone Canon. So Chloe and I, of course, we record in two different places under two different moons. And, <laughs> and you know, we, we seclude ourselves in a room because that's how recording works. That's how recording sound works. Of course, you don't want background stuff. But every now and then, you know, people can hear you through the walls and stuff. And my partner just texted me because obviously... He can't come in here because otherwise I'll have to edit it out with, did I hear an, are you ready? She's a genius. I guess he has not heard me say this every single episode. So. Wow. He's a fake fan. Uh, yes. I can't believe your partner is a fake Girls Gone Canon <laughs> oh fan. God. This is insane. This is insane. I'm uh, going to say that to him too next time I see him. He's an individual Chloe fan and an individual Eliana fan, but not necessarily, you know, the, the TM, Together. not the trademarked. Girls Gone Canon <gasps> band. Oh, because you know. I'm like, together we also cause some trouble, so I can see where your partner may not appreciate it. fans of us causing <laughs> trouble as well. Just, you know, you know. The mischief. We do cause trouble. You and know, I'm foreshadowing it. I hope you're all here. Oh my God. Eliana, Chloe, I hope you're all hearing the foreshadowing, but sometime this year there will be trouble once more and it will be made double. Yes. Prepare the world for. Devastation. Wow, I'm really literally this up. with this yeah, chapter. Yeah. Wow, yeah. literally wow, devastation actually. though. All right, before we jump into emails, tweets of note, I want to call out one of our buddies, Duncan, aka the Valkyrist from YouTube's and the internet. Uh, you might know him from the Westeros forums. You might know him, better known as, in my opinion, from Vassals of Kingsgrave, which I am a big fan of. We love the Vassals of Kingsgrave. And also, his YouTube has tons of dramatic readings and theories and tons of stuff that, like, I'm talking about it's been around for a decade, right? He's been in this fandom for a really long time. He's putting out a book, a book on his writings about A Song of Ice and Fire. Oh, a book. It's going to be called, I know, I'm like, holy shit, someone putting so, out a someone book. Someone had to and do I love it, that. you know? <laughs> but no, this is actually, and I've now read this book for the most part, unless he's changed some things since I read it, but Notes from the Citadel. The Philosophy and Psychology of a Song of Ice and Fire. It's coming out this April, mm. 2024, April 16th. I read it recently. I got to be an advanced reader, by the way. I'm an advanced reader. And some of the things I thought were most relevant to you guys that if you get this book, you should check out. Uh, these are some of my favorite chapters I enjoyed from Duncan's book. A Thousand Faces and None, The Depersonalization of Arya Stark, which is a great read for everyone listening to these chapters. Hmm. The acorn is the oak, the eternalist philosophy of the three-eyed crow. You know I love that shit. And of course, I have to shout out one of the last couple chapters. When life gives you lemon trees, evaluating the conspiracy mentality of the ice and fire fandom. And I will tell you, spoiler, Duncan does point out that we are not all okay. So it's good. It's fun. It is fun, though. It's like, it's a great read. It's great to reflect on all of his experiences in the fandom and his thoughts about the series. And I think especially as for someone who's like been here for a while and has kind of seen the fandom, maybe 
Uh, so of its peak with Game of Thrones and through the long winter that we've been waiting, it's a good, it's going to be a good read. So get it on your bust, your, your list, your buy list, right? Get it in your uh, wish list and get ready to buy it for April. And here's Duncan telling you a little bit about it. G'day listener, my name is Duncan, better known as Valkyrist in the Ice and Fire fandom. And I have an exciting announcement to make. I've written a book. It's called Notes from the Citadel, the philosophy and psychology of a song of ice and fire. It represents over a decade of writing and talking about this series, having grown out of conversations in forums, podcasts, and fan conventions, as well as my own background in literary analysis and research. The book covers a range of topics, from George R.R. Martin's postmodern approach to the fantasy genre, to the effects of patriarchy, feudalism, and war upon his characters. The phenomenological significance of the others, the metaphysical implications of the Three-Eyed Crow, and the epistemic skirmishes of the Ice and Fire fandom are also investigated. The analysis combines academic scrutiny with a fervent adoration for Martin's work. While the night may be long, and the wait between books grueling, these essays offer a wealth of new insights, granting veteran fans a fresh appreciation and understanding of Martin's story, characters, and writing. Notes from the Citadel will be released on April 16th and is available in both ebook and paperback. You can find it by clicking the link in the episode show notes or by searching Notes from the Citadel on Amazon. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you and on with the show. Well, thanks, Duncan. Very much looking forward to this book and the essays that you called out, Chloe. I mean, I think it's, it's I don't know, I think like evaluating the, the philosophy and the psychology, like these kinds of themes, right? This kind of analysis of the book series is something that obviously, you know, I gravitate towards. Like, uh, you know, we can spin our wheels about we what's going to happen. Yeah, so I'm, it's the kind of thing that I enjoy. People can enjoy stories in all sorts of different ways. So not knocking on that, it's just something that I personally enjoy and I'm looking forward to so this spring yeah I figure that this after is taxes. like you know these were some of the chapters after taxes yeah buy it <laughs> yeah, these are a couple of the chapters I really liked you know like and there's many many more it's a decent chunky book I think you all will like it but those are the chapters that I liked and I think that they reflect stuff you will like personally um, and I know a guy I can get you that book Eliana just so you know no, it's okay I can use my tax return on it so all of you if you would like ow, to use your ow. tax return on a on yeah, for those of you not down under like Duncan, then you should yeah. uh, you should use your U.S. tax return on that. Yeah, I don't know actually know how Australian tax returns or their tax day thing works, so <laughs> I really don't. Me either. They have spiders, so I just like think those huge spiders that are venomous that they have. I feel like they should just get money. I just tell people about drop them. bears that are not real. <laughs> it's just. Koalas. I mean, I've seen Kangaroo Jack. Yo, kangaroos are scary. Like videos of kangaroos. They're mean. I'm like okay and their muscles yeah bro it's so interesting because obviously the ancient egyptians did not see kangaroos but when i look at a kangaroo i'm like that's anubis that's what i have (laughs) if i saw one in real life up close like that i would say the same thing though let's be fucking real they're fucking jacked usually it's nuts yeah it's nuts yes scary anyway we got a tweet of note that i would like to call out Uh, this was from a few weeks ago 
in response to our Aria 9 chapter, our Storm of Swords Aria 9 chapter with our friend Lost Wolfling slash Mira. But this comes from Dread Lady saying, Good to know I'm not the only one who laughs a lot at this chapter. Smiley face. The Knight's Honor bit is so good. Laughing emoji. And the fact that he feels compelled to actually lecture people about this knight thing, even <laughs> as he's robbing them, is hilarious on another level. First of all, is it robbing or is it foraging? Questions. Yeah. That's a Referring callback. to Arya 10, it's foraging. It's foraging. Callbacks. yes. Yeah, I love that he's just out here like, and that's why you're getting robbed, because you're a dumb bitch and you believe in knights just like I used to, you idiot. It's hysterical. It's like he's not a knight, yeah. And I do have to shout out, if you haven't checked out Dread Lady's art, Dread Lady has some fucking phenomenal Sandor art. Uh, I'll, I'll find my favorite pieces for you guys below. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll hook it up. I'll hook it up. Yeah. So, thank you for that. And now um, to one of like our briefest lightning rounds for one of our briefest chapters. Catalan <sighs> 7. Not my hair. Ned loves my hair. It's all the emotion I had. Out, out, brief candle. Well, <laughs> that brings us here to Arya 11. Outside the castle, chaos ensues. Arya tries to run to her family, but is stopped by Sandor. Just so you know, you, you all don't get confused about what happens there at the end. Do we want to call it out now? Spoil you a little, you know? This is yeah. a read podcast. Yeah, Arya survives. Yeah. Arya lives, thank God. Uh, and this is like the shortest chapter in Aeswaf, right? It, it's tied, actually... I think it depends on, like, if you compare the two prints, but Brand 3, A Game of Thrones, is short as fuck. I think it might be technically shorter, but they're, like, neck and neck. Interesting. And then, after this, there's a whopping 12 chapters between this chapter and the next chapter, Arya 12. Oh, George. Which is amazing. Like, George, <laughs> you fucker, right? Oh, like, he's so, he's so clever, and he knows it, because that is, like... It's perfect. It speaks to the rhythm, the melody, everything of the song, of the story, where you have all these arcs kind of peaking going off. You have Bran at the night fort. You have Sam meeting Bran at the night fort. John at the wall. And then you have this, where everything is going down. And it's funny. I was, like, thinking about it very, very visually, right? I like to visualize shit. I like graphs and shit. I like spreadsheets and motherfucking fucking shit. I love... You know, think about the arcs, though. Like, close your eyes and think about a storm of swords and where the peaks are. And then put it down to just, like, a POV, right? Like, Arya's chapters and where the POV... She's closing her eyes, thank God. You told um, me to think close about my where eyes. It's important. So think where, like, Arya's chapters peak. And it's not the same as the book, necessarily. But it supports the book's peak and how the music all comes in. And I don't know. It's really interesting. I like to visualize, like, this POV is, like... Just a vibes chapter. This POV is vibes. This POV is some shit's going down. Yeah. It's a different shape than the whole story, but it fits so well into the story like a jigsaw piece. So uh, I think that the rhythm of this and the peaking of the arcs is wonderful. And the way George has kind of interchanged some of these chapters to play off one another and bring all of the drama just speaks to his, uh, you know, his masterful use of the POV system. For sure. And I mean... Yeah, it this happens quite like in the middle of the book, you know, and and there's still like a lot to go. I love that you pointed out there's twelve chapters before the next Aria one, and that's not even the last Trickster. Aria. Yeah, that's not even the last Aria chapter of this book, and because there's so little between this and the previous Aria chapter, and I mean, you know, the really big thing happens in this, in that in between, 
it creates like such good tension on the heels of that Catelyn chapter and creates this it, it's a fantastic use of dramatic irony right because like we know like oh fuck shit's going down because it's the red wedding Arya doesn't Sandor doesn't they're starting to understand so like there's there's this tension of like what is going to happen to Arya who is right here is she going to share the same fate as her family is she not we all know this is a reread yeah thank god we know because yeah. I can't imagine like I mean, I just remember, you know, so many people that flip forward right yeah, immediately. So like, what are you? Because also it's like playing on emotions at the time. You're so raw. You literally just watched everyone fucking die. And then the next chapter, George is like, bonk. I don't even remember. What? Yeah, I don't even remember how I reacted to the end of this chapter. Because I think it because it, as we talked about last last episode, you and I were just like, oh, we got to we got to know what happens and just kept like probably reading and I don't know. I might have just been like, oh, bruh. And then just get, turn the page to the next one <laughs> after this. Well, we launch the chapter, and Arya and Sandor are moving past the feast tents. Torches shine against the wet chainmail and helms. The castle isn't closed, Arya realizes, like the sergeant said, and the portcullis is actually being drawn upward as she watches. Arya is kind of swept up, worrying about getting in, but Sandor spots it first. He shoves her down. Riders begin pouring out of the castle, fighting. Men and mounts in heavy armor with torches and axes, long axes, bone-crushing blades, real fucking war and battle has come to the castle. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's pretty heavy out of shit. The castle. <laughs> yeah, right? And there's some language that I really like here of, like, it was only then that she heard the riders pouring out of the castle gate in a river of steel and fire, the thunder of their destriers crossing the drawbridge, almost lost beneath the drumming from the castles, and it's just good stuff. It's good stuff. Look at all those D sounds with the thunder, dusters, drawbridge, drumming. Like, George is really hammering home the, I mean, as you were talking about earlier, right? Like, the rhythm using those dental sounds to to create that beat here. And it also kind of feels like some sort of fucking nightmare, apocalyptic imagery, right? With the steel and the fire and the th all these like disastrous imagery as well coming together and really bringing home the sensations of the sounds and the drums, which strings it together well with Arya's mother's chapter. Yeah, the war drums are like the one constant being heard mm. in the background, right? You can't always hear the music exactly, but you can hear the percussive beat of the war drums and that bass, that rhythm that, you know, it's like in a dance, you dance to the beat. You don't dance always to Sometimes. the melody. You don't, yeah, you, you try <laughs> to dance people. to, okay, listen. <laughs> if you are a dancer, unless you are very, very skilled or unless you are very, very bad, you likely dance to the beat not to the harmony not to the melody to the beat of the song and the beat of the song is there to keep you on track just like bass just like rhythm like the way i like to think about it the first song i ever learned on a bass guitar was the gorillas feel good ink hmm. so bum ba da dum bum bum boop boop bum ba da da bum bum boop boop so you have the bass you have that beat that bum ba da dum bum bum and that harmonic do do and through this that bum banana bum bum is heard you know all you hear is that percussive beat in the background that is the song that i associate with this chapter so true <laughs> bestie <laughs> it's, it's not but yes yes it's absolutely going through this somewhere far off she heard a wolf howling 
It wasn't very loud compared to the camp noise and the music and the low, ominous growl of the river running wild, but she heard it, all the same. Only, maybe it wasn't her ears that heard it. Its sound shivered through Arya like a knife, sharp with rage and grief. What a great blink-and-you-miss-it line right there. Maybe it wasn't her ears that heard it. Maybe it was her memory. Maybe it was her wolf. Maybe it was her sibling's wolf. Maybe it was a different wolf that she heard it through, but she was in another mind when she probably heard that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, blink and you miss it, because I'm not sure I've noticed that line until you called it out. Maybe it wasn't her ears that heard it. Dang. That's so good. Just like the dream that Arya had the night before that she doesn't remember. What is it? I wish we knew. I so I've been thinking about it since you even said it. I like wish we knew. Interesting. Yeah, I'm like also wondering which wolf was this? Who heard it? So curious. Almost makes you sad and think that she's hearing this through. Yeah. Wind. I mean, like, is she hearing well or is she hearing Nymeria hearing through like the astral plane Grey Wind dying? You know? Yeah. So many things. More riders emerge, four wide with no end. There's knights, squires, free riders, and one of the feast tents has collapsed. And the flames are licking it up, and the other two aren't far behind. The the three tents, and then the third one collapsing. This is foreshadowing that we're once upon a time there were gonna be three more books, but now there's only just gonna be two more ahead of us. This is a lie. I okay, made this up. Says who? <laughs> I made this up. I made this up just for this episode. I have arguments against this, but wow. Uh, uh. The second tent is hit by flaming arrows, and there are screams overpowering the music. Arya realizes it's a battle, and she knows the song that's coming out of the castle because lo and behold, Tom of Seven Streams sang it the night they sheltered with the brothers in the brew house. And you know the song. You know this fucking song. It's on every Westerosi radio station. <laughs> you turn it, you're like, fuck this song. I want to hear a different song. Guess what? It's on that one, too. It's the Reigns of Castamere. So... Meanwhile, Frey riders have spotted Sandor and Arya, and Sandor cuts Stranger loose, mounting him, wheeling towards the combatants, getting rid of the Wayne. Uh, in the background, of course, during this, the reins of Castamere begins to play, adding on top of those drums and bass and rhythm we were just talking about. And it's an expert use, right, of having it throughout the background. We see the lyrics in italics throughout the chapter, uh, dictating kind of the betrayal as it's happening, especially against the buildup of last chapter where we're able to see what's happening before our protagonists are necessarily seeing mm. it. Yes. Yes. And as you said, right, like we we all know what the song is and that it carries through. And I do think it's interesting that, I mean, this shows us again how young Arya is and despite how she feels so old, like she's not, she, she has the knowledge of this song, but not the wisdom that comes with things yet, right? Like she... She recognizes this, but unlike Catelyn, doesn't understand yet its political significance or the context of why this song might be playing and what it means that this song is playing here. And I, I do think it's really interesting because in Arya's storyline, I think that The Reigns of Castamere takes on a very different meaning be or the lyrics mm -hmm. of it do, not the context, right? Like, obviously, this is fucking Lannister victory song, you know, but... The lyrics of a cat, like, who are you, right? And then also, like, a cat and then of a different coat and a different color, like, especially as as Arya becomes a cat in a bit, right? And then the idea of being able to change your coat's color, like, what you look like. 
And that's literally what Arya learns to be able to do. And of course, you know, the sharp claws. She wields like actual fucking pointy things. But I, I just think it's so interesting that she doesn't know what this song means for it to be playing here as well. Yeah, she has absolutely no back knowledge of what this song means. So that's a great point. Like, it's also interesting because you think back to the Brotherhood and how they acted with her and they almost protected her from knowledge and didn't tell her everything. Like, you were saying something last chapter in Arya 10 about how she doesn't necessarily know her brother's even a king. Mm. No one tells her this shit. Nobody explains to her, hey, by the way, this song, yeah, the Lannisters once, they drowned their enemies out of pride, (laughs) anger, and jealousy and out of fear of, like, being seen as weaker and lesser. And here they are again, because that's what this battle is, right? Like, it's not like, it's not like they're like, this is what happens when you're betrayed. It's pride more Ooh, than anything, yeah. right? Like, being shown up by Rob Stark, by the young wolf, by what the Starks stand for. It's the Starks challenging the Lannisters and their rule and what they stand for in totality for their freedom. And it's different. It's something that the Lannisters really can't pinpoint themselves. I find that interesting. Like the Lannisters battle and why they do this is to end it and to maintain control and maintain pride and show in front of everybody that they're the bosses. They ain't. They're, it doesn't do that. Not. It creates a martyr. <laughs> yeah, like, actually. I mean, I, I can see great. the logic, I guess, that he thought was going to happen, but it it creates a martyr, it creates like a zombie, you know, all sorts of shit happening. Not to talk about the expanse, but it's so laconian. Oh my god. Anyways. I'm just thinking of the statue, so I'm like not sure I completely understand. I'm thinking of Lacone and like his sons and the twisting You don't snakes yet. on don't the worry. statue. We'll get there. Okay. But okay. also that, I guess. Like it is that too though. In, oh, that's in meta true. And, anyways. Wait, actually literally because it is like that dad and then the snake, so a parent, and then the kids dying alongside. Wow, damn, fucked up. Anyways, we have a line of Arya had prayed a hundred, hundred times for the hound to die, but now there was a rock in her hand, slimy with mud, and she didn't even remember picking it up. Who do I throw it at? I love that for so many reasons. Like, cute, but also, like, sad, and also, like, mm. everything you've been taught is a lie. And in actuality, it all is playing out way differently. Like, these are the people that your family would say, well, they're assholes, but we have to go to their dinner party because, you know, (laughs) we're all a big family. And Arya's like, what do I do? I thought the Northmen liked these motherfuckers. Sandor sucks. I'm confused. Life is harder than it looks. Yeah, and I'm eight years old. What is this? (laughs) Uh... Sandor takes Sandor takes on three men, which I'd love to watch, and Arya thinks he's <laughs> sure to die. She thinks of Micah, and then she sees the third rider come her way, moving behind the wain while the sound of drums and war horns and pipes and stallions and steel plays in the background. She thinks fear cuts deeper than swords. I love this so much that it's become like a do I kill him or not? What do I do? I'm so confused as she has like the moment and she's stepping forward, but yet it's all falling apart around her. She can't. So a fray rider with long axe mounted on a horse comes to her and she really doesn't understand. She's like, the freys are our allies. A fray is marrying my uncle. When the rider charges, she throws a rock at him. Like when she threw the apple at Gendry. <laughs> uh, mm. I'm glad that was practice for that. And also that she thinks of Micah a second before because that comes back this chapter. I mean, it's always coming back, but it comes back this chapter. Yeah. I do find it interesting how, like, Arya's storyline progresses 
especially when compared to Sansa's and her being like, I'm I'm not sure I understand what's happening here. The phrase are our allies. What the fuck? And because Sansa learns the very hard way, right, that there are no true allies for her. She has no friends she can depend on. She's very isolated. And even the ones who are nice to her, she knows she keeps them all at an arm's length. She's like, no allies, no friends. And compared to that, like, Arya's story has a lot less political maneuvering because she's not amongst those leaders, right? She's much more of an on-the-ground POV. And so Arya's idea of allyship is the same as friendship. And she makes friends on a very personal level. She has these deep connections mm -hmm. with these mentors, with like the people that she thought were her pack, but then turns out they actually need paying jobs. And, you know, you compare that with Sansa, who understands, like, yo, your allies are not your friends. All of these things are very fragile. And that's that's part of what her storyline is teaching her, right? And I don't think it's wrong for either of the girls to, like, think this, to think that allies are friends, etc. I think it's very foundational and necessary for their society to function, right? In the same way that that's why you have, like, these taboos, like, guest right? Because without it, there's an erosion of trust, and therefore you can't, like, you know, sign peace treaties and shit like that. But anyways... It's it's something that the adults in their world don't know, which is why um we have this red wedding. But anyway, that's yeah. It, it's just interesting the way that it develops differently for those sisters. It's interesting how she's forced to choose the man she hates as an ally. That's true. It's a great that's a great comparison and how that it leads to that of being like fuck, not my friend, I guess. But it has to be right now. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what's to come too, right? Of people in the face of hardship being forced together that maybe wouldn't necessarily normally be forced together. We look at Brienne and mm. Jamie as an unlikely duo in this, you know, to start, but later on too, when the long night comes. Oh, the long night's gonna come. Okay. Oh, it's gonna come. All right. <laughs> all right. So the rock is good, by the way, the rock uh, that she throws breaks the fray guys charge. It lets her retreat a little. It puts the wane between them. He follows her. She outruns him. He's like, you can't run forever. But he's cut <laughs> off by Sandor Clegane, who hits him with an axe that he's randomly acquired. She's like, how'd you get the axe? He's like, killed someone for it. I do love that. She's literally like, she's like, where did he get that axe? <laughs> she's like, I need to level up like this. Wow. Yeah, where did that loot drop come from? <laughs> did you just respawn? <laughs> uh, no, that's your mom. Dying. <laughs> Dying Beneath Stranger is one of the other Frey riders, and the third man is unmoving, a broken sword in his throat. Hmm. Sandor tells her to get his helm. It's stuffed in a sack of apples, and she upends it and throws it to him. I love this. I love that the helm has been the hiding, like, hiding in the sack of apples for the helm. That's a great place for it, which I don't think it's an actual reference to knowledge and Eden, but in a way I'm, like, interesting that the helm hmm. is in the apples and... He has to get in there into the forbidden fruit and get it because it is forbidden fruit, right? Like the helm gives you a way. Mm. It makes it so you can no longer rely on what people think they see, uh, which is all about the plot with Arya and Sandor out here and the game they've been playing. And he's waiting for the right time to put it on, especially when Arya's been waiting for the right time to reveal herself, right? That's a theme that keeps coming up. And Arya herself is like, when do I get to reveal myself mm. to the right northerner in hopes of taking me home? And here, Sandor is revealing himself. He's using the legend and the lore, something we'll see come back in Arya 13 when they're at the inn with Polliver Tickler and their squire. 
But at this point, there's nothing to lose. They're, invoking the Hound could only protect them or damn them at this point, even if it's a lie, even if the image of the Hound actually invokes Lannister support and the Westerlands. It's something that maybe could live as a figment to keep them safe from either way this goes. Unfortunately, it could always go the opposite. People would be like, oh my god, not the Hound, fuck that guy. But maybe it could scare them off just a bit to provide a bit of protection and to get out. And it, it of course, is interesting in the face of all the stuff we talked about with Brienne already in the past and the Hound's Helm and the symbolization behind it uh, and him choosing to don it mm. and disguises, right? Which becomes such a constant when you have Jane or fake Arya, John, Aegon, all these people who are something else. Yeah, it is really interesting. And something about the way that you're phrasing it, I mean, it it, it is a little forbidden, right? Like reaching for that persona. It feels like... I don't know, it feels like a transformation sequence, whether it's, like, for a supervillain or for a superhero or, like, I don't know, the mask or something. Like, putting it on is, like, that superhero reveal of, like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's that guy. Holy shit. And then, like, then he's able to do all of these things. So, really interesting. Yeah. The way that's framed. Yeah, absolutely. The day he donned the cowl. And that is yeah. it. That is it. Yeah. And... Then we have another we have another line here of I mean there's a lot of action here all right um probably because there's a battle going on I don't know some people no. are dying so he snatched it one handed from the air and lowered it over his head and where the man had sat only a steel dog remained snarling at the fires my brother dead do you think they'd slaughter his men and leave him alive he turned his head toward the camp look. Look, damn you. The camp had become a battlefield. No, a butcher's den. I love that line. I love that it's described as a butcher's den. Um, it makes me really think of, again, like, it's it's another beat that reminds you of Micah, right? Comes up earlier there. Micah's been just going throughout, like, all of these things, right? Arya has not forgotten him, and she's making sure that not just, like, Sandor, but the readers remember him. And, and so you have that butcher's den, you have them, like, as swineherds, they've been here with the salted pork and the feet. Like, what do you fucking think butchers do? You know, they, they deal with, like, cut up animals and the meat, and then he's gonna come back again later on in this chapter, so. Love that. Yes. The flames. <sighs> yes. <laughs> the flames from the tents reach halfway up the sky, and the barracks tents are burning, too, as the song continues. Wow fire track both inside the hall and <laughs> out a catapult crashes into the burning tents and bursts apart come with come me come with me angels okay oh that's not God. how it goes come with me sandra clegane reached down a hand we have to get away from here and now stranger tossed his head impatiently his nostrils flaring at the scent of blood the song was done uh, it reminds me of that, like, really dramatic Sansa line where she was like, I thought my song was beginning that day, but it already ended when she leaves Winterfell. So dramatic. So I love that little teeny bop. I like girly say pop. It, it reminds you of the Blackwater because there was fire and shit there, too. Oh, and the song was then done. And yeah. After she gave it. And he was, like, big sad there, never, but now he's like, oh, fuck. She never gave it. I took it. Now, well, uh, it's okay. Uh, he, we're not there yet. Sorry, we're not there yet. He's Ugh. got a different song. He doesn't need Sansa's song. There's another song playing. It's Serene's of <laughs> Castamere. He doesn't need the fucking mother's song. Oh, my God. Hey, but you know what? Not a song, but a different piece of media that I want to bring up here. 
Whoa. Have you, you've seen Terminator, right? One? I have. It was a really, really long time ago. I was, I was very young. Okay. Highly recommend the Terminator series. You know, they're great. I actually love all three of them. And I rewatched Terminator 2 Judgment Day last week, actually. And I'm literally bringing this up. And can I just say something without you guys, like, making fun of me? Like, I think this is a real thing. I think this is inspired by the Terminator. Like, hmm. envision it for a second that Sandra Clegane is reaching down his hand. There's war and flames and, like, catastrophe around them to little Arya and going, come with me. It's come with me if you want to live. That's literally what this is. Like, that's the line. He's like, if you want to live, come with me, which that's a pretty big beat for their plot. Saving her, protecting her, saying you can live to fight another day instead of going and spending all of your vengeance in one go. Mm. Something kind of strong for his art. Interesting. Come with me if you want to live is said like in every single Terminator movie. BT dubs, every single bit of Terminator (laughs) has this line. But... I specifically am referencing Terminator 2 Judgment Day here, which has an alternate timeline. Okay, so like Sarah, John mm. Connor is born to Sarah Connor. His father dies nine months before protecting Sarah from time-traveling Terminator. So Sarah gets shot and captured. She is trying to blow up a computer factory. John Connor, her son, gets placed into foster care and is like gaslit about his mother's history. Okay, they're like, no. She was delusional and crazy, and you have to understand everything she told you was a lie, kid. So then he's getting into trouble all the time with his foster parents. Shit's bad. Life's hard. And a T-1000 that's programmed to assassinate him from the future shows up. But then at the same time, a T-800 then shows up who's programmed to protect him. So, of course, the T-800 shows up at the right time, and he extends his hand to save John Connor and says, come with me if you want to live. And I'm not saying that Sandor is necessarily a time-traveling cyborg. I'm not actually saying that. Like, I don't want you to take that. But I'm saying that uh, I'm not saying he isn't, by the way, either. So if he is, like, just call me. But I was right or I wasn't right is what I'm saying. But moreover, like, there's something to say about these different time streams that the Terminators come back from. And, like, someone in the future is fucking with time and trying to save people and, like, etc. And this all gets revealed throughout the entire series in different ways and also retconned in different ways. But, you know, that's just how long-standing ip goes so but also like that he comes back to save the day or ruin the day right like so think of sandor in a game of thrones killing micah sorry that's a bummer it's a, kind of a buzzkill down but think you, of that you? right think of sandor yeah. killing micah <laughs> god so like the t-1000 though like he's here to kill he's here to like have a bad time with everyone he's here to fuck shit up but here, then you have the T-800, Sandor, who's changed through his interactions. Our friend Warren, in our last episode for Arya, actually talked about this in his email, right? Like, that Sandor is influenced and changed after his interactions with Arya. He's influenced and changed after his interactions with Sansa. Terminator's change. Sandor's changed, bro, based on these different outcomes and effects of the different time streams. Like, this is him changing in front of our very eyes. Yeah, I I really love that connection that you've drawn. And I mean, there's a couple of things that I think does really work. First of all, like, I don't think that it's crazy to think that this is inspired by Terminator because I do legitimately believe that the, that the, like, hermaphroditic nature of the dragons is inspired by Jurassic Park. Like, yeah, I literally think that's canon. That's like not even me being sarcastic. So I do think that there's merit to what you're saying as well as like, I mean, Sandor has this like ability to just keep going you know which is very terminator-esque and and also that what you're saying about this time 
the time traveling thing and like all the different time streams like that is very much a bit of what's going on in the background of the story too so yeah. I, i'm not saying like, again I mean, i'm not saying yeah i'm not saying that's no, the a time no. traveling cyborg either but like what you were saying of like that's yeah i mean there is skynet in this story like to that yeah. effect like i mean look at fucking cold hands cold hands is literally a terminator sent Actually, out from skynet yeah really wait yeah yeah literally interesting interesting yeah hmm okay but i really no i don't think it's one-to-one but i think emotionally it is because that is like one of the themes of terminator 2 judgment day is that like it is like people can change things can change you can protect people and like finding the heart in terminator in general i don't know i just think there's something there i definitely think george is like come with me if you want to live in this moment and i do think that as you were saying like being able to change it it's a big part of the story and we've like talked about it a few times but you know every now and then i just want to repeat things and hammer it home like liana stark i used to think she's right i think she's wrong love is sweet dear ned and it can change a man's nature interesting i'm somewhere in between the two of you i don't know about but... like what whatever was going on with robert but like i do think that's a big part of this and as you're saying oh my god yeah yeah judgment day. nature versus nurture we've talked about it with joffrey i think that's a great example of it too oh true 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 so back to Arya off the Terminator. Arya argues with Sandor. Her family is just in the castle. We have to get my mom. The gates are open. And Sandor's like, you stupid little bitch, telling her he's not going. And that if she goes in there, she won't come out again, protecting her. He says, maybe Frey will let you kiss your mother's corpse. Oof, hmm. Wait, wait a second. What kind of kiss? Are you saying like a kiss of, you know what? Hang on to all this till we get back to Arya 12 is what I'm trying to say. Okay, okay, interesting, interesting. Something big's going down here. Something big. Okay. Well, there's this line here that also, like, stood out to me. It's just a few lines earlier. Like, the song was done. There's only one solitary drum. It's slow, monotonous beats echoing across the river, like the pounding of some monstrous heart. And I'm like, wow, river's monstrous heart? Like a zombie heart? Like Lady Stone heart? That's it. Ooh, ooh. This is a hint like, to what Chloe's like going to talk about. Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laying down. This is my threefold reveal for Chloe's thing. Oh my god. Monstrous heart. Sandor tells Arya he's not done living yet. He tells her to stay or go, live or die. Ooh, ice or fire. Hmm. You can have both. Water. <laughs> Wow. Well, Heart. Uh, air. Fire. No, that's, that's, Sandra's never going to pick fire. Um. Uh, I'm like, we went between Captain Planet, Arya Stark, and then we even got a little avatar in there. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we could, you know, we, we do have Sandor, <laughs> AKA Fire Lord Zuko with us mm-hmm. today. Here he is. Here he is. <laughs> so here's the end of the chapter. Let's close the chapter, Eliana. Give it to us. All right. Well, the twins are also closing. Um, the porcullis was coming down, but slowly. I have to run faster. The mud slowed her, though, and then the water. Run fast as a wolf. The drawbridge had begun to lift, the water running off it in the sheet, the mud falling in heavy clots. Faster! She heard loud splashing and looked back to see the stranger pounding after her, sending up gouts of water with every stride. She saw the long axe, too, still wet with blood and brains. 
And Arya ran. Not for her brother now, not even for her mother, but for herself. She ran faster than she had ever run before, her head down and her feet churning up the river. She ran from him as Micah must have run. His axe took her in the back of the head. Florence and the Machine plays. This. Oh my god. <laughs> the end of Aria. No, just kidding. Wow, we're done. Okay. Oh, the yeah, dog days yeah. are not the over yet, they though. Are not. <laughs> the dog days continue yes. in the next two chapters. Yes. Uh, top fake out in Aeswaf, right? Like, we have the Miller's sons being Bran and Rickon recently. Mm. Uh, we've got, what, Davos's death in the Blackwater is a great fake out, oh, as true. well as his death by the Manderleys. Yes. Yeah, to come. And how we perceive it as a reader. We have Ghost being attacked by Aurel's eagle and Tyrion on the Blackwater. There are so many great fake outs, but I think this one is the most emotionally predatory of George <laughs> on all of us because we're all exhausted. We're all crying. <laughs> We're all devastated from the chapter before if you're reading this A to Z like normal motherfuckers do instead of A to C and then C to H and then H back to B. And then (laughs) if you're normal, you've probably read this in a normal fashion, which we have too, to be fair. And it's just so emotionally exhausting that the fake out works so well because as mentioned at the beginning of this episode, there's a whopping 12 chapters after this and George wants you to forget and wants you to be fucked up. And even that like horrible tension of... I mean, she's in the middle of a battle. Your senses aren't at their best. It's, I mean, look, I get anxiety from making phone calls, okay? Child soldier in the middle of a battle where your family's being murdered. I mean, I don't weigh anything compared to that. That's a huge, huge difference, right, in attitude and anxiety. So I can't imagine being in that fight or flight, having your heart pounding in your chest alongside that rhythm of the drum and the battle of the axes and everything I mean, you can kind of see her trauma come into play a little bit, too, where she feels like everyone's an enemy. She feels like she has to run. She has to flight. She has to get away from Sandor. She's not safe here. She's not safe with him. And you have that great line. His axe took her in the back of the head. And we don't know what happens because we've never read these books. We've Just never. kidding. We know. She's fine. <laughs> she's fine. Never. She's going yeah. to Bravos. Even with his helm on, right? Like, you start to think, oh, him putting the helm on means he's back to his old ways. Bug bunny meme. He really is a bad dog and invokes his hound's helm, right? His ways of crime. But that's not what it means. Yeah, I mean, he tells her, right? He's like, okay, well, I'm fucking going and you can stay or you can go, right? Which is, again, Blackwater. Blackwater vibes. And he's like, I'm going to fucking go. And it makes me really think then of what Mira was saying about the Blackwater and Sandor being like, why did I leave that decision of whether or not to escape to a child? Why Why did I do yeah. that? And he's like, oh my God, I did it again. And he's like, oh, I'm not about to make the same mistake twice. This girl's about to fucking jump into the river because I mean, she is about to jump into like, I don't know, the moat or some shit like to her death and the poor call is her call is coming down like this this girl's not gonna fucking make it she's gonna get stuck and like fucking she's about to be impaled he's like yeah i can't let the little girl do that or if she's not impaled i can't let her become a hostage which is what has happened to sansa right and Mm -hmm. and so he so he's like you know i'm gonna just smack her in the back of the head i've been telling her if you try to escape or you try to do crazy shit i'm gonna hit you and i guess he does it that's the clout in the ear speaking of duncan egg but um anyways Mm -hmm. The desperation and Arya just running and she's like running as fast as she can. Like, it's just so sad. Right? She's just caught between 
what is she doing? She's just running. She's just running like a wolf, you know? She's running to, she's running from. She's just running. She has nothing to run to. Yeah. She, I, she's caught between. It's this strange, it's so interesting, right? It's this limbo. She's running, she's running, she's spinning her wheels. It's the hamster wheel uh, on YouTube. And um, where is she? Where is she going? It's this terrible limbo of... She keeps trying to get home and can't. She keeps trying to get to her family. Stays in the same place. And I don't know. There's also this, like, desperation. She's like, Sandor, Sandor, we have to save my mom. Like, we have to go there. And, like, it's interesting she doesn't say Rob necessarily. I mean, partially probably because Sandor's like, dude, he's fucking dead. But also maybe she believes mm -hmm. that Rob can handle himself. But I don't know. It's also like, we have to save my mom. I lost one parent. I can't go through this again. Uh, worse about what's gonna happen um but yeah right not even just that but like and the idea that like her mom was supposed to have survived they yeah. were supposed to keep her alive she wasn't wrong necessarily like yeah. she doesn't know it but she wasn't wrong yeah i mean maybe she she like there was part of her that was like i don't know maybe she'll live because she understands the idea of like Hmm, hostage, hostage, right? As someone who has been a mm -hmm. almost a hostage several times. Yeah. Ugh. Man. Arya, no! Arya, no. That's what makes it so fucked up if she does have to kill her mom, dude. Yeah. That's why it's like, it's right there, because it's like, this is so fucked up, this is so fucked up, and that's so fucked up, that's so fucked up. It's like a perfect circle. Oh my god, I just realized it actually kind of parallels with Tyrion's storyline, because... Yeah, with his dad here, because he's about to kill him. Yeah, I mean, like, not only does Tyrion kill his father, but, like, in doing so, he's, like, really <clears throat> fucked up about it, because Tyrion desperately wants validation from his father, and in killing his father, he completely blocks his ability to ever get it. He was never gonna get it, but he, like, takes that away from oh. himself in that way, right? Arya desperately wants her mother's validation, as we can see. She wants her mother to accept her, and, like, she's terrified of losing that and losing her mother's love. And so there's something there about all that, too. But maybe she'll get validated by, like, I mean, if if her killing a bunch of people is going to make anyone proud, it's Lady Stoneheart. <laughs> My little murder, baby. No. You did it. I don't think that... <laughs> like that oh my god every time you do it now it's my new favorite i can't wait till we finally get to some stone heart know. you know some epilogue uh. ass you can do her voice her <laughs> fuck wow yeah you know i'm pretty emotional still about this chapter it's still pretty emotional everything that's just happened i didn't cry which is fun for me it's not like our second Hunger Games episode where I definitely don't cry. I actually didn't think you cried so. this one, so fascinating. I didn't, not once. She didn't. <laughs> I didn't see it. Yeah, just like how I never cried in J Never mind. Anyways, but I think this is uh, pretty devastating, and chapter 12, you know, is uh, not too long, not too much as we get on the road of, you know, oh, Sandor Clegane getting an infection and the Hound dying, but... We'll get there. We'll get there. I'm I'm not anticipating. I'm sad. I'm very sad. So sad. <laughs> I don't know what I'm feeling, but there's a lot. Something. Something. Eliana, where can everyone tell us what they're feeling? Wow. 
Just don't. No, I'm joking. Um, you can find us on social media. Let us know what you think about this chapter and Arya's storyline by. You can send us a tweet at Girls Gone Canon, C A N O N, on Twitter, or a skeet on Blue Sky, also a Girls Gone Canon. That is what they're called, okay? And you can also send us an email at girlsgonecanon at gmail.com. They're not actually called that. Someone made it up and we all ran with it. It's but, real. You know, every episode we do is sponsored by our patrons. Patrons at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon where you can get some bonus content if you're in the stranger tier and above or thunder tier and above. Access to discord, brunches, all the fun shit going on. Take it away, patrons. Tell everyone where they can listen to us online. You can catch Girls Gone Canon on any of the following streamers. On Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Audible, and Amazon Podcasts. You can also join us on Patreon, where if you join the Thunder tier above, you have access to a Discord and monthly happy hours and things like that. And... By joining the Discord, you get access to a bunch of great channels, including but not limited to memes and shit posting channel, Fashion Hour. There are multiple channels for historic materials, A Song of Ice and Fire. There's a Pets channel, which I think is probably the most important channel of all. Respectful Thirsting, because there's a channel for that. Come by, join the community. It's a lot of fun and you won't regret it. This has been a real blast from the past. <laughs> a blast to the back of Arya's head, unfortunately. Well, I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back with Arya 12 in a storm of swords and uh, finish out storm soon with a special guest. Wow. Can't wait to announce it. Keep your ears peeled. Finally, Arya can be like, I'm 12. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, because I'm 11. <laughs> I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I'm still one of your hosts, Eliana. Goodbye. Goodbye. Wow. Oh. <laughs>